Hello, welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 68. On today's episode, basically we just have a little Q&A session that we're going to do and uh, had some people send in some questions and then we're going to hit some other topics while we're, while we're out there. So um, here we go. All right, so question number one came in from uh, Twitter, Twitter follower Crop Guy Jake. And his question was, how do you see the world of third party and consignment dealers evolving? Do you have any in your area affecting your business? It seems to me they are playing the role of rescuer in today's current equipment environment. Farmers come to them because the dealer won't give them what they are looking for in trade money. The consigner promises a lot and ends up listing the piece higher than what most dealers are asking for the same piece. Does their strategy look like it can be disruptive in the near future? Great question. Um, from my seat on the bus, you know, I think, you know, I, I think the consignment piece of the business is uh, something that's really kind of grown probably the last two, three years as guys are trying to maximize whatever equity they can maximize and <clears throat> as well as, you know, try to get the most for their, for their piece of equipment. Now, the negative thing that I see personally with, with, with the consignment side of the business is that ultimately the machine ends up being having having a um, a higher value i don't know if that's you know higher value than what you see most things out there listed for and then that that kind of deters a lot of people like we, we've sold some consignment stuff but the consignment things that we've sold have all been priced competitively in the marketplace right fair statement mm -hmm. so when i uh when i look at that stuff to me um I just think that the consignment side of the business will continue to grow and it will have its place in the marketplace. But at the end of the day, um, it's all about house price, just like anything else is. Well, my take on it is there's so many different ways of what is a consignment. Okay? Different levels. Um, there is the... There is the, you know, a... a Farmer can say, hey, this is what I want out of this tractor. Try to make a little profit on it on our end. There is <clears throat> doing it backwards and saying, hey, here's what it's worth. And the guy can say, okay, I'll pay you X amount if you can get that for it. And then there is and totally non-related to dealership consignments, if you will, as far as a card carrying dealer case john deere agco what have you um and that's where i think that might be directed at a, that question might be directed at a little bit too you know an outfit that has a physical storefront that you know hey i can get you more than you're going to get on trade-in bring it here i'll sell it for you for so much and try to get everybody to run every piece through there, you know, from his business plan and go that route. As far as being a rescuer, I don't know that I'd go that far. Um, I think I, I don't see it as any bigger rescuer than dealerships that are pushing a lot of leases mm -hmm. or, you know, real payment driven market. You know, that can be as much rescuer as anything. Right. So, I think, go ahead. Uh, well, the other side of this, too, is um, 
depending upon what the farmer's doing on the backside, they can really get themselves in tax trouble right. by just consigning this stuff right. and not having a purchase to offset it. Because um, in 2017, anything that you sell is considered an income. Um, you have to tax that as income on your on your taxes. So um, it's definitely something to be aware of. And I don't think they're doing anybody any favors by, you know, by consigning it with, with that third party dealer, so to speak, so. Right, yeah, and I, and I agree, I mean, like you said, that was exactly what I was gonna say, is that the tax ramifications as part of, of what you see there is um, it's such a big deal, you know, that knowing what, what that is and what that looks like. I think some of the stuff that we see on this back side of stuff, the guys are trying to mitigate some part of their business, right, whether it is um, a cash flow situation or an efficiency situation or a, a, a risk situation or whatever it is that they're trying to, to mitigate. And I think where a lot of guys kind of what they see, in, in my opinion, is more based around they are trying to find um, the best possible way that they can maximize the amount of money they have but also get something new, right? So there's a lot of different payment options that you can look at. And that's what they're doing. Maybe they're trying to, to leverage that payment issue as well. Um, my opinion is that there's, even if you have some negative equity that you have to wrap back into payment with leases and those kind of things, you know, there are some pretty attractive ways to, to, to trade out of that piece of equipment and do what you need to do. Okay. Um, anything else you guys want to throw in on that one? I don't know. I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. Yep. All right. All right, so we had another question come in. We kind of covered this last week a little bit, um, but we'll definitely, you know, we'll hit it again. Um, had a guy send in a, uh, a question about um, using social media to sell equipment. Um, we talked about that again, I think, last week or week before last that we talked about that. Yeah, um, last week. Was it last week? Okay, so here's my, we'll kind of hit that on real quick again. My opinion is, Social media has a huge play in everything that you do moving forward in any any aspect of business. I don't care if you're in the farm equipment business or you know the construction business or whatever kind of business you're in. Socks. Socks is a coffee. great one too. Coffee. Chewing yeah. gum. You can do that one as well. All that stuff. You see some juicy fruit, boom. Put it out on social media. There you go. Get Hashtag. Some. Yeah. Hashtag get some. And you can <laughs> you can you can get out and, and make that happen. But so here's here's my my two cents on it and, and we'll we'll move on from there. My two cents on that whole aspect is if you're not using social media in your business to sell equipment, to list equipment, to draw attention to your business, then you have a, you're doing yourself an injustice. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you think it's a fad, I'm, I'm telling you that it's not a fad, any more of a fad than the internet was. So it's hit or stay and it's going to continue to grow and shape the way we do business. There's always going to be a new platform, you know, we graduated from, from MySpace to to Facebook, to Twitter, to Instagram, to so on and so forth down the line. And it's just, every time I turn on the news, there's a new social media of some, some kind out there. So I don't think you can have enough, enough good social media out there. Agree? I agree. Nah, I don't, I don't think it works. It doesn't. It's probably a big waste of time. <laughs> it's a fad. It's going to go away, I tell you right now. No sense of getting too wrapped up. I don't think selling machinery works on social media at no, all. has not worked at all for anyone in this room. So. <laughs> it's it's all on how you do it. Absolutely. I, like I, see, I see lots of other guys out there 
they're either a my my biggest thing is and I used to work at a dealership that back when Fastline magazine was the end all be all of yeah. used equipment marketing. Yep. Every damn ad they put in there, call. Call. Right. Yes. Call. Okay. Hate that. I hated that. I'm like, why don't you just put the price? Well, <laughs> he told me, he's like, it's a little high. You know, we need to need to call so we can talk him through it. I'm like, okay. Then why, you know, the whys and whys and whys of that, but people put stuff on there with no price. Ain't gonna work. No. People put stuff on there and you know the price is wrong. Ain't gonna work. You know? It's unless you have a unicorn or something like that, you have to be very aggressive with the pricing or there's no point in right. wasting your time with it. Right. I mean it's like anything. If you're going to put it out there for the masses, they're going to shop. If they're a local dealer, they're mm -hmm. going to shop the entire internet. So what are you bringing us to going to differentiate your piece of equipment from somebody else? And unless it's got that that one thing that nobody else wants, nobody else has, it's the only one that was ever created with this specific thing, like a leather door on the front of the refrigerator, you know, or something crazy <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> That, that would be cool. Cow skin seats. You know what? You need I to that. invent that, and then you could like you could brand it. You could yeah. put your brand yeah. on the Hell fridge. Yeah. Wouldn't that be yeah. badass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could bad. put the arrow F yeah. on the fridge. Yeah. yeah. Get ready, boys. We're gonna brand the fridge tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Not with silver bullets, though. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna brand it with an actual branding iron. Right. All right, Gina, you're the social media, you're the social media queen. So, let's talk about your queen. Yes. <laughs> your Majesty. <laughs> so, when you take a look at social media, I mean, it's just such a dynamic thing. It's hard to get your hands wrapped around what it is, but it is very important what you do. It is. Um, so you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with, when you're you're putting a piece of equipment on there, you need to make sure you have a price on there. That's almost more important than anything else of what you even list in your in your little box of description. But even more so is telling your story, telling your story about um, you know your great employees and how they're interacting with customers. It seems like you know anytime that you can, you basically want to make it very personable and make it like you're talking to that person across the table from you is how you want to word your words when you're looking at a post out there um because it's really easy to just put you know a blanket full of words out there but you know if it's just like ad copy or whatever um people don't relate to that they relate to feelings to story to the people that they see every day when they walk into the dealership that's the things they relate to um you know, and then and then you sprinkle in those pieces that you want to sell or whatever kind of specials you have going on, and people are going to interact and pay more attention to that kind of stuff after you kind of hook them in with that feeling and 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 love for your page, I guess. So. Right. Yeah. The one thing I like about social media too, it's always there's always a rally point, and mm -hmm. especially on Twitter, you know, there's always a rally point around something, you know. And here of late, it's it's uh, you know my heart goes out to these guys because they just cannot seem to not get involved with this year in and year out, but. Candace, Oklahoma, Eastern Colorado wildfires that we're seeing right now. I mean, those guys are just getting hammered with that. Mm -hmm. And you see it on social media, whether it's coming from a dealership someplace or just some random producer someplace that's talking about 
you know, thoughts and prayers, this, that, and the other thing. So social media is so, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely the most, one of the most powerful things out there. And, you know, it's, it, it's really just dynamic in what it is. So anything else that we missed on the social media? What did you say? A word blanket? Is that what you said? No, like a, a like copy, like add copy. I know, copy. but you said something about a blanket. Was it a word blanket? I don't. Rec I don't. I don't think it was I a badass <laughs> term. I was trying to remember it. It's an electric it's word just words. Because then someday when he's rattling on about shit, I'll be like, knock off the word blanket. I'm not of nowhere came an electric word blanket <laughs> to wrap me and swaddle me. All right, what you got there, Chief? All right, question number two from, what was it from? Crop Guy Jake. He's, All on, right. he's on here right now. So he, he is. Yeah. Thumbs there up, he buddy. is. Yeah. Question number two, pre-selling trade-ins. In a large-scale dealership, how do you all, how do you all work together to pre-sell trade-ins? We utilize a CRM for everything we do in terms of sales activity but it seems to not be robust enough when it comes to this. Connecting what a customer is looking for to what another salesperson is bringing in on the other side of a territory remains a challenge up until the deal is done. Had it been known prior to the original deal, could have benefited both parties. What do you do? Huh? What do you do when you try to pre-sell something? Try to sell it. There you go. Okay, thanks. And that's that's Aaron Fiddle, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Fiddle, everybody. No, I guess I guess since you know I've been doing this for selling machinery for eighteen years. Okay, and I guess I from from my own trade to keep you know i sold something i have my own trade i really want to sell my own trade to my own trade to my own trade down the line i've never seen a struggle with accomplishing that you know as far as how to manage it or whatever um you know before any other salesman if it's if you have it coming in right you know and ideally the the badass factor of it all is do sell it before anybody knows it's coming in mm -hmm. um without cherry picking it Right. Well, yeah. Without cherry picking it, from a company standpoint, I guess I have never seen where we ourselves have had an issue with not getting exposure to pre-sell mm -hmm. whatsoever. I think if anything, we might have had problems here or there with too much exposure. You yeah, know, it, to yeah. to a sense of maybe it wasn't communicated enough. I sold a new eight four hundred R. I have this 1500 hour 8360R coming in. 14 salesmen are jump, tripping over themselves to get to it. One of them sells it. He forgot to tell his guy, oh, wait, we just put the order in for the 8400R. Right. So two things. One, you're not gonna get your tractor for four months. Two, it's April. It's running. Oh yeah. Hours are clicking. Yeah. It's not gonna be 1500 hours. It's gonna be 17. Right. or something so I, I think from that point our our own company we get that's that's probably our weakness in that deal you know as far as that goes most guys you the way we utilize MF Pro 
if they're doing their job, they're watching that like a hawk. Right. And know exactly what's coming in. Yeah. I find myself, I bet 40 times a day, I click on the logo in the top left corner to refresh it, and you'll see newly updated. Yeah. It might be a price change, depending on how old the stock number is, or it might be, you know, something that's... Mm -hmm. C zero such and such be like, ooh, that's brand new. Click on it. Ooh, check this out. Bam, gone. You know. Tis the season of use. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing there is <laughs> the biggest thing there. Um, Fennel really hit the nail on the head there with all the things that he said. But the biggest thing there is just communication between your sales force. Probably number one. Um, you know if. If a guy's having troubles getting his deal closed or whatever, and he knows that maybe he needs to get that deal pre-sold, um, to send out an email to his peers and ask and say, hey, I have this. If somebody's looking for this, let me know so I can wrap up my deal or get my deal closed. Um, but again, like Aaron said, a lot of our sales guys, they're watching um, MF Pro, which is where we put in all of our trade evaluations. Um, guys are watching that and watching what their peers are evaluating for that day and saying, ooh, you know, I need this, I got a guy who could use this sprayer, and you know, I'm gonna call this salesman and ask him if he's gonna get that deal done or what I can do to help him, um, because both guys win, you know? Absolutely. Right. So, I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, there's any necessary right or wrong way. The biggest number one thing is the communicating far, uh, part, you know? Um, that's probably number one for me, so. Yeah, no, I would agree 100% with what you just said. So the communication factor, and well, I think a lot of our guys fall a little bit short when they start talking about pre-selling equipment. It is, they don't let them know what they need on their end. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I need to pre-sell this. Well, great. You know, last one that we had, we sold for this amount of money. Where do you need it? Where do you, what, I mean, what, what's going to make your deal happen? You know what I mean? Yep. And most guys have completely just got, kind of glossed over that part of it. The other thing, too, back to your part of, of the, the communication issue is we we have to make sure when you're, when you're going through the pre-sale process, is it's, it's an email thing. It's as simple as that. CRM's great. <clears throat> we use the CRM, too. You know, we have... We have Salesforce that we use, and, and, and guys are loading their opportunities and those kind of things in there as well, or supposed to be anyway, and doing that kind of stuff. Where I think we, we miss more than anything, at the end of the day, where we miss more than anything is, like you said, like it's got $1,500 on it now. We're going to estimate that it has 1800 on it by the time it comes in, right? You guys are going to use the plant, whatever else, the new tracks are going to come in. All these different things are going to play into it. It's when they don't get that number right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's I. I you told me it's going to be eighteen hundred. It came with nineteen fifty. Another hundred and fifty more hours than than what you said. Now, does that hundred fifty hours really make a big difference in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. You know, I mean the not, value. Not in that gap. Right. Not in that value. But the guy buying that machine's like, you told me I had eighteen hundred. Now I'm looking at hundred hundred fifty hours, and I'm a guy who's buying this hired hour machine because I'm only going to put hundred fifty hours a year on it. Mm -hmm. That's where that that communication is so important. More than anything, just absolutely, just so important that the hours be. I always say you have plus or minus ten percent when it comes to hours, where it doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily going to damage that. But now another thing too is that you have to tell your customer that that you're pre-selling that too. Is like you know what, 
plus or minus 10 percent is where we think we're going to be at we're gauging it somewhere around 1800 to 1900 hours Mm-hmm. Right. In that situation, you covered. You, you know, right. You covered, so you're going to be okay. Be now, between fifteen and twenty-five. Well, thousand hour spread gets you. That should get you covered pretty well. <laughs> Lock that's, it down. That's that's the big part of it. Is just making sure that you have all the stuff as transparent as possible, and being as openly communicated as possible too. We have guys that sandbag. That's not a big. No one's going to. I mean, and it happens all in every in every company across. United States, North America. Someone knows that they've got a cherry. They're not going to let anybody know about it until they absolutely have to, and then they're going to go out and try to sell it. God bless them. That's what you should do. Not not cherry pick, but I mean, you should you should be trying to sell all your use as fast as you can. That's just it. You should be doing that with everything. Turds, not just cherries. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, beat to shit eighty three hundred yeah. with twenty thousand hours. Right. Better be cherry picking and trying on that one too. That's exactly right. But you have to be able to to cover the entire to to cover the entire gambit of everything that's out there. You have to be able to do that, whether it's like you said, the five hundred hour something that's just beautiful, or the road hard to put up wet, whatever it is over here, the combine you can throw a dead cat through without hitting anything, <laughs> right? You know, or, or any eighty six series international tractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, but. All in all, everything being said, that's just the most important part of it is the communication thing. So I think to answer your question, from my perspective, is if you want guys to go out and pre-sell their used trades, which you should absolutely want them to go do that, you need to have the ability to say, you know, the CRM thing, maybe having an issue there where you have, you know, these things going on. We're lucky to have Machine Finder Pro, I think. In mm-hmm. my opinion, because it is a very, it's robust enough that it constantly shows you what's been updated. If you type in 8370R or 2388 or whatever it is that you're looking for, it's going to show what's in inventory and what's been evaluated. And that that's just been that, that key piece, I think, to our business is that we don't necessarily have to send that email out, hey, we're looking for these different things, because it's all right there. Mm-hmm. It's all right there for Well, us. you still need to send out an email if, if you're looking. Well, if you're Full looking, yeah. If someone if someone says, "Hey, you know what, guys? I could sure use a X Y Z. Got a customer who needs one. Let's send that email out." And then you can say, "You know what? I'm looking one, looking for one too." But on our side of the business, before that email gets sent out, they can go look that up. Mm-hmm. I need an X Y Z with ILS and IVT and no DPF. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So. Here we are, um, Gina survived the blizzard of 2018. How, how did your, how'd your cattle come out? Did there, all your calves make it through the, through the um, storm so far? Yeah, we were extremely lucky. Um, I came home from work that day in the snowstorm and I probably should have definitely stayed in town because um, there was zero visibility outside. And um, about four o'clock we got a call from our neighbor up the road who said he saw cattle out. Um, running down the road or walking down the road and so my husband's like oh gosh i hope those aren't ours well he went out and checked and they were ours um wandering around the countryside they got lost they got lost out in the storm and walked over the fence and they were just they were just put their butts to the wind and started walking walking to who knows where um and we were fortunate that our calves they stayed with their mama cows and um we kind of got them all centrally located and then we had to quit at dark just because of you know for 
our own safety reasons. There was zero visibility in the daytime, let alone in the nighttime. Um, but gosh, that storm was, it was something, to, it was something else for sure. Um, like I said, we were, we were really lucky that all of our cows paired up and, and we got them to a, a semi-safe place and got them all rounded up um, Saturday morning. So it was a tough one for sure. On Sunday, there were still, we had um, neighbors that were still out looking for their cattle that had wandered off in the storm. So what about you, Aaron? You got some sheep at when home? you're out shepherding your sheep. I uh, drove by about an hour before, made the rounds, an hour before it hit, and I went home and waited it out. Right. And then uh, they did fine. We didn't get, we we had blizzardy type environment, but it could have been a lot worse up there. We didn't have it as bad as they did at Sydney. and Most of my stuff's pretty wide open and everything like that. I lost a couple lambs due to crowding, but for the most part, everything everything was fine. The only the only pain in the ass I have is everywhere I need to get to drive to feed and everything else. That is where the snow is nipple deep. Yeah, we didn't have the where here here in the valley where I'm at. We had about an inch, inch and a half of rain and about an inch of snow, and everything else around us got just pummeled. So. Um, which I have to think that with across the entire network of, of stores that we have and then you start looking outside of that when this snow finally clears and soil temperatures finally get warm enough for guys to go start planting they're going to be up against the wall when it comes to making sure their stuff gets gets done and that I think we're going to start seeing some calls here in the next this is just my opinion the next week week and a half Start looking for high speed planters because mm -hmm. guys are going to be really or picking their twelve row planter to twenty four row or something like yep. that where they can cover cover more of what's going on. So, yeah. what have you seen, planter market wise, and, and what's that temperature that you hear out there right now? Quiet. Is it? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's very quiet right now. Usually, there's a lot of scuttlebutt um, last minute, like all the way to the beginning of May. Um, still some last minute planter stuff going on, but this year, not so much really. Um, and I feel like it's been quiet for a while on planters. The, uh, I did post one today that's gotten a little action and it's kind of a unicorn, you know, it's a, it's a high end planter that we then made into the precision donor. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a very unique frame and set up and all that. And it's, it's getting some action, positive reaction. Um, but let's be honest. It's like a unicorn and a Sasquatch had a kid. It is. It is. And they had some chippecoggers to go in. It. Well, yeah. But instead of it, yeah, it's, it's a white Sasquatch with a horn. That would be, yes. There you go. I like that. There you go. Yeah. So. So yeah. I mean, but other than that, the the planter market's been. I haven't had a lot of, a lot of call for it here lately. I guess you know it's shit. It's the middle of April, right? Literally, and I think I just don't know if there's much left for last minute stuff. Yeah. Well, I I just think there's going to be. I I do rush. agree with you though. There there could be, you know. There's not going to be 300 planters sold, but 
get a couple here and there. Yeah, I think it's going to be SF. What do you see when you when you cruise? We got cruising the Twitterverse. Um, by large, it doesn't look like there's been many of the spring crops planted. Right. I mean, you go across the corn belt and hardly anybody's gotten any corn in. Um, and I don't know if there's a crop progress report coming out today or not, but I'm sure that'll tell more about um, the crop that hasn't gone in the ground. Um, you know, I even heard some guys still trying to seed some peas in the area and some oats, and normally that's done here in March, you know, oh, and there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably almost getting a little bit pushing time frame on, on putting those, uh, putting that seed in the ground, honestly. Um, and as far as, you know, here locally in our area, um, especially around Sydney, you know, usually May 1st is kind of a, a go date for a lot of producers in that area. And a lot of them are talking now that they don't even know if they'll be able to go by then because there's more moisture in the forecast here and um, the ground temperature still is, is still pretty low. Right. Um, and there just hasn't been enough consecutive warm days to get that soil temperature up. And, you know, there's no point in even putting it in the ground before your soil temperature's to where it needs to be, so. Yep, yep. and the great thing about all this is we have some more snow in the forecast for this weekend, so I'm jacked. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. Super, really excited. super yeah. excited. We got shit to do, man. Did so, you guys see my Twitter posts on Friday? Whoever pissed off Queen Elsa, oh, yeah. they need yeah. to go apologize, yeah. take her some chocolate or something. Yeah. What I would, what I would enjoy for Let it to go. Let it go. <laughs> the only thing I would like to see happen is that if it was going to snow, do it during the week and be 70 or 80 degrees on Saturday. That's right. Yeah, I know. Last, like last week? Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 70 degrees. Yeah. Friday, yep. blizzard. Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. Welcome to Nalaska. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I think that there's, I think gonna be some pent up demand there, and I think there's gonna be a lot of, just all kinds of of hell break loose. Like always, it's not gonna be anything new. You know what I mean? The planting window in this country seems to be getting more narrow, more narrow, more narrow. But you know what? I'm surprised in a lot of places across the country, a lot of guys have said, I can't remember snow like this much snow this late mm -hmm. you know maybe oh, yeah. a skiff but like yeah. a real life snow this late and then this late in the year where there's like a legitimate freeze warnings in areas where there shouldn't be freeze warnings like right. southern california mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they're, they're they're talking about freeze warnings there that they're like this, this shouldn't be happening socal you know socal yeah nothing. socal yep. it's in socal bra yeah bra <laughs> <laughs> Hey, brah. <laughs> My peaches are frozen, brah. <laughs> Alright. Well, I think we've uh, put this one to bed again. So, anything before we shut it down? I don't okay. think so. Where can they find you at on the Twitterverse, Mr. Fennel? At Aaron Fintel. Okay. Just my name. And then anywhere else? Do they find you anyplace else besides Twitter? Yeah. Call me, text me, 308-760-1193. Okay. For a good time. For a good time. Right. <laughs> Gina? Um, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, if you just search for Regina Nardis, I should come up. Right on. Okay. You can find me at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also check out MovingIronLLC.com for all past and present episodes of the Moving Iron podcast, blog posts, 
and information about the 2018 Moving Iron Summit. Um, you can also just pick us up. We're always on the internet. We're always out there on the Twitterverse cruising around. So if you have a question or concern, make sure you hit us up, and we'll do this again next Monday. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Aaron Fennell. Regina Nargis. Get some out. <laughs>